Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson. He's got Hausler and Aaron Baru over his right shoulder. This is the recap of the Giro d'Italia Stage 8 from Foggia to Guardia San Framondi. Benji and I told you 11 days ago, now one breakaway. We told you in the preview yesterday it's going to be a breakaway type stage. That was because you've got this nasty, well, not, not a nasty climb, a long, steady gradient climb in the middle of the stage that's too hard for the sprinters, makes the stage too hard, unless you've got 2011 Sagan or somebody, descent, and then it finishes with a 3K, 6.5% climb. But actually in the last 11Ks, the 6Ks of that before the climb proper is sort of an annoying uphill around Castel Vanere, 171Ks. How did the stage start, Benji? Because it was probably, there was a bit of GC action sort of at the start. Yes, surprisingly, because, well, we expected the first part of the stage to be pretty chaotic when it comes to the breakaway trying to form. And the fact that we had crosswind options was not helping that too much because every single time that someone would get away, the peloton would realize, oh, there's perhaps someone important in there and close it again. And then some other people tried to attack over that and close that gap again. And suddenly there was Bernal in a group that got away. And like, it wasn't like he was suddenly there. It felt like he actually like moved up to be in that position, which which makes it a bit special. And every single person in that breakaway, which it looks like they were shouting at him like, go away, go away. Because of course, if Bernal's in that breakaway, the others won't let them go away. And that's exactly what happened. The group got caught again. And for over 50 kilometers, we had people trying to get away, people getting caught again, people trying to get away, people getting caught again. One of the most fanatic attackers today was perhaps Victor Campanarts, who kept on attacking every single second. And suddenly a group seemed to get away. And that included, uh, well, surprisingly, Fernando Gaviria, sprinter Alexis Goujard, Victor Lafay from Cofidis, Kobo Golsens, Carboni, Gavazzi, Oliveira, and Nikias Arndt. And then a bit later, we saw that Campanarts again attacked from the peloton, bridged a gap of, I think, 30 to 24 seconds, roughly in between there, from the peloton to the breakaway. It took him a bit, but it did go relatively smoothly. But uh, Campanarts had already spent a lot of energy in all the attacking attempts at the start of the stage. And that's how Bahrain the break was too. formed. Well, yeah, Bahrain, exactly. All the, all the people Benji and I liked for the break on the podcast yesterday, they did try and get in the break to hand... Uh, Maida, Morich, even Bill Bow, I think at one point maybe they tried to get this break and they didn't, all the sort of main break contenders didn't and that's why we got left with a bit of an unusual break, Benji, like quite a quite a weak one actually with no real strong punchy guys on the level of sort of even De Gent or something like that. Who eventually got into that break? Well, those were the riders, the Gavidia one. And, uh, yeah. well, quite simply, that breakaway of, of nine riders was not completely gone because in the peloton, Kupama FDG was moving up and was basically showing Walter around through, uh, through the country. And they weren't pacing at an insane pace, but it felt like they were pacing a lot because the ticker at the top said 24 seconds for like 15 minutes and nobody was like, okay, that could be wrong. 
So everybody thought that Group Amal train was trying to catch the break again, which wouldn't make sense at all. But eventually it seemed like they were a minute and a half behind at the certain point. So they were just doing a tempo and didn't really care about the break that was getting away. They tried to reduce the tempo in the peloton, get that break away so that no attacks would form in the peloton again. And that worked out perfectly. This break was gone and the gap would open up to five to six or, or even seven and a half minutes at a certain point. But uh, one thing happened at the back of the peloton, because on the first climb of the day, we saw that Caleb Ewan was having trouble following. And, well, he ended up suddenly after a tunnel where another crash happened. He decided to abandon the race. And for a bit, people thought, oh, perhaps he crashed in a tunnel. And that was why he abandoned. But apparently he abandoned due to a pain in his knee. LR, what do you think about the knee pain he has? I don't know. I'm not in his body, Benji, but he didn't seem to have much knee pain when he cleaned up the stage <laughs> yesterday, to be honest. I mean, he had, he started today's stage with some sort of rock tape. I just saw a photo on Corvos from the start of the stage, uh, some sort of yeah rock tape around his knee. Um, I don't know. Uh, we expected Ewan to abandon the Giro pretty early. We're in the Chiclamino. Maybe he's like, damn, I wish the Gan had got more points and had the Chiclamino so I could have bowed out with a bit less pressure. So I don't know. Maybe his knee was nagging him. And if it was a sprint stage today, I'm sure he would have fought through it. Or if he didn't, if it was the Tour de France for sure, with other sprint stages coming up. But his goal now is the Tour. He's won two stages at the Giro, job done. And, uh, my Velo Games team not looking good. Speaking of Velo Games, let us know how you're going. I mean, my team coming up the rankings now copped a lot of grief at the start of the uh, the week, but been a bit quiet on my uh, Twitter notifications since then. So, um, but let me know how you're going, <laughs> how your team's going. Obviously, our show partner Lacole are the sponsor of that league. The winner will get a full kit of the new Mountain Pro Air kits we just got them benji and i and they are sick and the runners up get a jersey each will be doing an even bigger thing with lacole and Velo games or whatever we do with lacole for the tour de france so stay tuned for that and thanks to our show partner lacole there's a discount of 20 percent for any lrcp listeners if you insert the code all caps lrcp 20 at checkout but we knew the break was winning. As Benji said, FDJ, let it go. They didn't care. Ineos didn't care. And they had a count of six minutes in that break. Gujar, Campanas, Holsons, Carboni, Nelson Oliveira, Nikki Asan, Gavazzi, Gaviria, and Victor Lafay. Gaviria, sprinter, Campanas, a TT rider. Holsons, a young rider. There's, there's stage winners in there, I think, of Grand Tours. Gavazzi won a Vuelta stage in 2011. Nikki Asan just won Gaviria. a Giro stage. Yeah, but I mean, he won a sprint stage. Nicky Asant's won like a break stage before. Not sure if Oliveira has. Nelson Oliveira's the guy from Movistar who, who did the uh, lead out for everybody in that Torreno stage that Mansworth Schmidt won for in an inexplicable reason. So we had that descent. And Gaviria, the Benji just mentioned, he was there to legit go for the stage. He wasn't just uh, along for the ride. He attacked on that descent and... What happened, Benji? Because about two seconds later, he's on the ground. Yeah, there was no footage of what actually happened, but it was in a corner where, well, first of all, he seemed to have troll because he ended on the on the ground, uh, obviously. And um, we saw that the people behind him were having to take a different line because they were pretty surprised that Gavidia was there. So it was probably a pretty tricky corner. Um, he ended up laying by the side of the road, but stood back up. He had a bit of help by the medic to get back to the uh, front group. Let's be honest about that. But... 
I think that I saw on social media a lot of like comments on Gavidia that it's oh it's karma for attacking in the descent. But let's be real, that's a, that's a stupid comment in my opinion because Gavidia's only way he can win the stage is if he attacks before the final climb and has enough of a gap to have that and keep going. And how can he do that? Attack in the descent or attack just after the descent? And after the descent is risky because if you do that, then you got to find some really large gap very sudden in a few kilometers to make that happen. So I found the moment that he attacked pretty clever. Like it is on those kind of moments that a rider like Gavidia, a Campanarts, and Arne de Gujar need to attack if they want to win the stage like this. And Gavidia was the rider that did it. Of course, he totally miscalculated that corner and ended up on the ground. But yeah, you, I, I doubt that every rider reconned every descent in this in this Giro. And it was a mistake on his end, the steering mistake. But I don't think so did the it's FPJ something riders. that should be laughed at. Yeah, same I think corner. the first FDJ rider did exactly the same in the peloton, almost crashed, but was able to stay on his bike. And yeah, I, I just didn't like that comment personally. But eventually well, we saw well, we that. Thought, yeah? well, I picked Morich, I think, for this stage. I thought they were going to have multiple riders in this break and they'd use the descent to attack. So, I mean, Benji and I believe that if you're allowed to attack on the uphills, you're allowed to attack on the downhills as well. It's all part of cycling. Go on, Benji, sorry. Yes, exactly. And uh, we knew from that point that Gavidia had attack. He was back in the group afterwards with a bit of blood on his hand. Why is the guy not wearing gloves? I don't get that. Like, <laughs> that, that's what annoyed me about Gavidia today. The guy's not wearing gloves, and then he's, then he's surprised that his hands are bleeding if he crashes. But anyway, well, we get to the bottom of the descent, and that's when you need to think who else needs to make a move before we start to climb. You've got Campanats needs baby. to make a move. Nikios aunt needs to make a move. And Campanats was subtly trying to move towards the back of the group. And he went on the left side of the road and he ended up being countered and closed down. He did that, I think, three to four times on the flat section. And the first three times, it didn't really go. Every single time, Gujar was on his wheel. Nikios aunt tried to follow his wheel suddenly, but was closed down. And those attacks didn't really go anywhere. But it was not until the legend himself, Giovanni Carboni, was on his wheel that they got a bit of a gap. Campanots with a move, Carboni on the wheel, and the rest was looking at each other for a second. And that second is when they make 50 meters. And those 50 yeah. meters stay there for a second. And then they were leaning into the final climb. The final climb not being the longest one, not being the steepest one, but a decent final pinch in the road, definitely. Four and a half kilometers, I think, properly at decent gradients. And uh, yeah, 4K, well, 6%. Yeah, exactly. And we saw that, for example, Oliveira was trying to close down a lot of gaps. And yeah. I think that Oliveira was also a kind of rider where I expect him to attack before the final climb. Even though he's a decent climber, we saw him lose from Victor Lafay in the uh, stage in Valenciana. Then again, he was working for Mars a bit there as well. So that's a bit of a, a double-sided thing. Uh, I think that when we started the climb, Campanades and Carboni had a good... 10 seconds, 15 seconds, not more than that. And Gujar countered, if I recall correctly, yeah. and stayed hanging in the middle, but yeah, eventually had a chasse-patate, is what we call it. Oh, uh, okay. A chasse-patate being uh, attacking to try and chase someone and then falling back again because you can't reach that person. That's that's what that term means. I'm not sure if that's international. But <laughs> eventually, uh, that gap actually uh, looked to be good. And at the front, we saw that Campanats was still rolling with Carboni until a certain point where Carboni made a move. Carboni attacked Campanarts and I was like, yeah, Carboni, yeah, awesome. Italian <laughs> winning in the Giro from a con pro Conti team. Carboni, awesome name. Ah, I, I, I was loving it. 
And he eventually ended up dropping Victor Campanards. And from that point, I, I was like, okay, Carboni has this. But there was someone coming from behind, wasn't there, Lantern? Yeah, Victor Lafay. So there's two runners who'd been sitting on a lot. All the other runners have been attacking Holsons and Goujard and Vic Campanas and Carboni. Two runners had not been attacking. They'd been sitting on trying to do as little work as possible or keep it together for the climb. That was Francesco Gavazzi and Victor Lafay. Gavazzi, decent climber on YOLO. And Lafay was bridging that gap so quickly. He said, thank you, Nelson Oliveira, for keeping the gap at 10 seconds for me and pulling me closer to uh, Carboni. And then he attacked across the gap. He gets to the wheel of Carboni, realises he can attack him straight away and does that. Carboni can't react at all. And that was pretty much it. The only second I thought, ooh, this could be close, is Francesco Galazzi, who's also been very experienced, 36 years old. He's been conserving energy. He starts to bridge to Lafay. But as Benji said, Lafay probably has the best climbing pedigree in this group. That climb in Valenciana was about 5, 6.6 Ks, 7%. He was second behind Enric Mas, I think, on the stage. So once he got that gap, it was pretty much over. The GC group, by the way, five minutes back. So that's why we haven't even mentioned them. Lafay, he had time to post up. Plenty of time for this win for Cofidis. Won by 36 seconds on this stage, Benji. 36 seconds he put into Crazy. everyone on that, on that final climb. He's, I think he's pretty talented, actually, Lafay. Uh, and he wins this stage for Cofidis. He's 25 years old, French. Maybe he's developing a little bit later. He's won a stage in Savoy Mont Blanc back in 2018. Just maybe he's a later developing GC rider, and we could see this guy winning more Grand Tour stages, maybe even a Tour de France breakaway stage in the coming three to four years. Would not surprise me. But here's the top 10 Benji Lafayette, Nicky Assant, Oliveira, Carboni, Holsons. Campanas, Goujard, Gavidia in the last nine. And then the GC group, Benji. Before I get us nine, <laughs> Almeida led the GC group, but what, did anything happen in that group? Anything of note? Well, we had a crash with Fabio, and I think that was the most entertaining True. feel in the last climb. We saw that before the climb, Israel Startup Nation was moving up and setting themselves up at the front, I guess, because nothing really happened from that. And then at a certain point, Yev was showing at the front, and then at a certain point, Bernal was showing at the front, and then Almeida was showing at the front. So everybody was at the front at a certain point on the climb. That's the the gist yeah, I'm trying Guerrero to make. But in the end, nobody cares in the end. Like they rode to the line and they had a bit of a sprint just for like finishing purposes, but there were no gaps in the end. No, Hindley no got dropped, Benji. At least. Hindley lost yeah, 11 seconds. No, I know. Still but counting like, him for GC. <laughs> no, I, not, obviously, I'm not counting for GC, but that is fucked. Like. 3.5 Ks at 6%, 6.5%, losing 11 seconds. Like, is he unwell? Like, I'm talking in the, GC, in the GC group, everyone, it's 10 down to 24 riders. And in that group, we've got, you know, Foss and Fortunato and Soler, Caruso, Reichenbach, Colin Bowman, Luis Leon Sanchez. Like, they're not getting dropped, and Hindley is. So I don't know what's going on with, with him. Yeah, go on. I guess I'm just going to uh, to try and roll a clip from 10 days ago, right? Oh, yeah. I have to include this. I got accused of not being humble, which I've never claimed to be on Twitter <laughs> the other day. I don't I don't encourage humility. It's a vice, not a virtue. You should, if you have a good pick, you should shout loud and proud. Um, 
But today, Benji, we didn't pick him yesterday, but on the preview nearly two weeks ago, look who predicted this for this stage eight. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to uh, ignore everything I've said so far. And I'm going to go for a rider that was good at Valenciana, Victor Lafay from Cofidis. He's going to be in the breakaway Ooh. here. All right. I had to include that. Otherwise, Benji would have flown over to Andorra. Waiting at the airport. Andorra <laughs> to change my final cut settings. But tomorrow's stage, stage <laughs> nine from Castel de Sangro to Campo Felice, Rocca di Cambio, 158 Ks. This should be a better one. 3,500 meters of climbing. A lot of climbing. They start with an uncategorized climb of 7Ks, 3.5%, then into the Paso Gordi, 14Ks, 4%, then another uncategorized climb of 11Ks, 4.5%, 12Ks, 4.5%, 12Ks, 5%. Rolling ridge line at about 1,400 meters altitude, and then a 6-kilometer, 5.7% climb. But the last 700 meters of that appears to be a gravel section at 10% radiant so a nasty finish i mean if Pagatra or roglic were here we would be shouting their names from the rooftops question is do we think break or gc benji and separately will Walter be keeping that pink jersey oh uh, i don't remember what i said on the on the preview this time but i think that we i at least i think i overrated this stage in terms of gradients because I went ahead and called this, oh, there should be five stars, but I didn't, didn't properly look at the gradients. They're all between 4 and 5%, Very which consistent. changes a lot. No really. fake news clients. I would love for this stage to go to the breakaway. I think that there's still potential for it. And that's mainly because at the start, you've got this large climbing section. On that large climbing section, I'd expect people to try and form a large breakaway, a bit in the same sense that we saw today. Instead of the headwind today, you've got the uphill section now to try and improve that. And I think that 4% gradient is, is enough to try and get climbers in the attack. I think the opening could be very chaotic and people that are like five minutes behind could definitely try something on this stage already. It's, it's not the longest stage either, 150k. It's always up and down. You don't have plateaus in between, except for like in the last like 30 kilometers. But I hope that the break wins. Do I think that it's going to win? Ha. Oh. This is Ineos. such Ghana gradients, let's Ineos. be real. Ineos, Moscon, Ghana, Narvaez, Castroviejo. From what we've seen, they can be... I want Bernal to win. I, can I, I say Bernal's that? My pick. Bernal's my pick for the stage. Uh, and I think he takes the Malia. Where is he on GC? Currently... Behind Avonapol. He's five seconds behind Avonapol. Walter is 11 seconds ahead of Avonapol. Vlasov's at 24, so he's eight behind Bernal. I'm Bernal, I probably want to take the Malia here. I don't know. Maybe they maybe they don't, Benji. Maybe they're like, we'll just do Montalcino. I think that would be a mistake. They've got the mm-hmm. perfect team, medium mountains or mountains with yeah, not true. steep gradients. It's the perfect team here to do this. Maybe, like, isn't this the stage it's- where Ghana, Moscon, and Narvaez and Castro can help the most rather than the stages like where they've got Paso, Fadaya, 10Ks at like 11%? They can't help there. In third week, yeah, but they can help today or tomorrow. On the opposite end, this is also, in my opinion, the perfect climbing terrain for an Avonapool. The gradients are finish. steady. The gradients are not yet yeah, the finish, but that's the last how much kilometer? Oh and no, half? no! I'm not saying he's getting dropped anywhere. I'm saying he gets distanced Bonus just, seconds or something, just yeah. at the end. 
just at okay. the end uh and just like on mm, i get that yeah that's that's my th- like philosophy for this stage i'm not saying evan Paul has any no. trouble at all until the last 700 meters and bernal gets bonuses or a little five second gap i hope that we're not overrating this stage i hope it becomes a massacre that we are or hoping for at least at least i'm hoping for gc wise next to bernal when it comes to people that could do well on this terrain i think that i'm waiting for zonkolan for Carfi and vlasov as well i think that's the kind of climb where i see Carfi coming on and actually punching people in the face not literally but figuratively <laughs> yeah and I'm not sure. I think this finish also fits Formula, but the stage itself doesn't really go Formula for me personally. So that's where I'm like, meh. Ah, I don't think it'll I be chaotic, I, Benji. I think it'll be a mountain sprint like the other day, but I just think it's a bit harder than the other day with that gravel section at the end with the quite steep gradients. I don't, I don't see this being that chaotic. Mm-hmm. I think I, I see Ineos control, and then. No. Bernal, Attack, or Martinez. Uh, Dan Martin, Ciccone, good options, just like the other day as well. Ciccone particularly, he says he has good legs. But, uh, yeah, I think, I don't know. Walter, I think, is losing the jersey, I think, tomorrow. Uh, I think that Walter's climbing should be decent enough to do decent here, but it's going to be really difficult to hold the jersey on mountain stage and definitely uh, if any other spacing the whole time at the front. I obviously hope that Attila keeps it, but I don't think he is. I think that I'm leaning more towards Evenepoel perhaps getting pink because I think that I see a few others in the group. I like a Chicone, for example, that in my opinion could outsprint the Bernal. And Definitely. if that is the case, and if Evenepoel can stay at the back of that group, then the bonus seconds, four seconds of getting second won't be enough to take the jersey for Bernal. So I think it's going to be really close. I'm looking forward to it. I hope that we don't get another GC rider completely out of the question yet. I feel like I I want attention, and the Bernal versus Remco one is definitely doing well for me personally. But there's so many people still in the top 10, and we keep talking about those two. For example, let's say that Yates is just not peaking yet, that he's waiting for the actual mountains in the third week to make his attacks. Well... I, I believe that that is possible. Like it, The stages so far have not been as rough. The averages on the flat stages are insanely low. And yeah, crazy. <laughs> yeah, because of that, I'm like, okay, perhaps... That's why I think they'll hit it. Because Ineos took today yeah. off. And then yeah, they got true. stage stage 10 to Foligno, which is yeah, flat stage. Sagan stage, or Nizzolo, Viviani, even sprinters chase their responsibility to chase the break. Then you've got a rest day before Montalcino. So this is the last GC day before the rest day. I think that's that's why I think Ineos Cannon should hit it. But uh, we'll see. Benji and I, I think we're hoping for a lot of GC action. I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it just looks to me like a token gravel section at the top to sort of spice up the last <laughs> three minutes rather than we don't see anything in the first 75 90% of the stage almost to – create huge gaps frankly unless someone's sick uh if you if they're on they're not creating gaps maybe we haven't seen like, the weather forecast have you, is there rain or wind or anything that we're missing i have no clue i uh i'm not Flood a weatherman anymore right now. i've stopped uh, and I've stopped as a, a weatherman and um 
I think that I also checked the weather from Montalcino, by the way, and it's looking relatively sunny, so that's pretty sad. I yeah. hope that that changes. But for the next stage, I'm I'm clearly trying to take time right now because I have no clue yet, and I'm typing it in Google as we speak to figure out the weather on Campo Felice. No, it doesn't matter. Tomorrow, and it's uh, pretty sunny, unfortunately. <laughs> and wind, crosswinds, and echelons <laughs> don't exist in Italy. They can't be maintained. That's enough on this stage and previewing tomorrow's stage. We hope you enjoyed uh, this podcast. If you like it, like the video down below if you're watching on YouTube or give us a review or a rating on podcast players. But until then, we'll see you tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 